0: Welcome back to the Ramble Room. I am joined in studio today with uh, Mark Jones. Now, some of you, if you go back a ways with the Ramble Room, you'll remember hearing of Mark Jones. Um, He is with Gun Owners of America, and he's been coming on the show periodically for...
1: A couple years. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, for those of you that may not know or remember him... I'm going to have, uh, Mark, why don't you just tell the folks a little bit about who you are, where you come from, where you're going, what your job is, that sort of thing.
1: All right. Thank you, Ken. It's always good to be here with you. And I'm, uh, yes, I'm the national director for hunter programs for gun owners of America, and I live in Johnson County between KC and Buffalo. I also uh, deal with the Wyoming legislative affairs, and, of course, probably been here in the past to talk talk with you about Second Amendment Protection Act and some other Second Amendment issues so deal with a lot of a lot of things related to Second Amendment and of course nationally I deal with our our hunter issues across the country Hunter issues yep. do, do we have any issues with hunters or do hunters
0: have issues with the rest of us Which you know is it?
1: it's it's interesting uh there was an article came out in uh, this week by Fox News about Biden's war on hunters and a lot of people don't realize it kind of flies under the radar some of the things the Biden administration is doing to try to um, stomp on hunting rights and hunting opportunities. So, yeah, I, those are kind of things I deal with when I'm not dealing with Wyoming legislative affairs. Well, give us give us an
0: example. What What's something the Biden administration, some of these unelected bureaucrats,
1: are doing to frustrate the cause of hunters? We, one of the big ones that's kind of more is nationally or national in scope is his proposed lead ammunition ban on federal lands, and that uh, proposed ban would initially start on relatively small acreages of national wildlife refuges, primarily in the upper Midwest and the East. So it may not be on the radar, folks here in Wyoming, but the plan is to expand that. Uh, federal officials have already. Leaked their intent to expand that to all lands controlled by the Fish and Wildlife Service, which is about half of Wyoming. Well, no, actually, no. The Fish and Wildlife Service only yeah. controls well, National Wildlife well, Refuges, so that's I, about three million acres around the country. Okay, but the the yeah the insidious thing will yes. be if they win and if they expand it to U.S. Forest Service or BLM, which would be half of Wyoming. Right. Yes.
0: Right. And once once they get the camel's nose in the tent door they're not backing out. you, you just got to draw a line in, with zero tolerances about what it comes to.
1: Absolutely. And the ban is to make sure folks understand because a lot of people are used to the waterfowl uh, regulations related to shot shells. You know, everybody shoots non-toxic shot now, steel or bismuth, and that's been in place for 30 years. This has nothing to do with that. They're trying to phase out lead bullets like we all use for deer and elk and pronghorn lead shot shells like we use for turkey hunting or quail hunting or grouse hunting just target practice and 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 it will and and that's the other thing that target shooters who shoot on federal lands should be aware of that they will they will phase out lead ammo for target shooting if if this ban is allowed to go forward and if it is expanded like we expect it to be to additional lands from where they're originally starting. So what's their excuse? Now we know that this is just a means of,
0: of curtailing second amendment rights, but what excuse do they use?
1: What danger does this
0: lead laying on the surface cause, if any?
1: That's a great question, Ken. And the, the center for biological diversity, which is a far left environmental group sued the Biden administration and Rather than the lawsuit was based on poor science, flimsy science, something we've seen a lot of in the last few years in this country. And rather than fight the the um, the lawsuit, they settled immediately. The Biden administration just settled and, and caved to demands. And and actually, gun owners of America, my employer, we we. We wrote an extensive document last summer, and I'm a certified wildlife biologist, have been for three decades, picking apart their argument that essentially, to, to boil it down, there is no science to support the claims of the Center for Biological Diversity. And there was no science to support the Biden administration caving to those demands. Um, there's no science that shows population level impacts on wildlife species from lead ammunition there is no science that supports human impacts from consuming game that's shot with lead ammunition. And there have been extensive studies done on people who hunt and consume wild game. Well, I've done enough myself personally that if there was an issue I'd probably be affected. And so have I. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm an avid hunter and you are. And um, there was an ex- several extensive studies done in different states where they, they studied populations of hunters. Their lead levels are not higher. In fact, what they found is that that there's so much lead in the environment from other sources, natural sources, from, from construction products, from things like that, that the average person's lead exposure from hunting is, is minimal to nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and think about it like this. When you clean an elk, you cut away the part of the animal that you shoot. If you hit it in the shoulder, you mm-hmm. don't eat that part, right? So... Very little lead exposure for humans, and it's similar with animals. The California condor is the one that gets all the publicity because there was some some evidence that California condors in California and Arizona were eating big-game animals and being exposed to lead. The state of California banned lead ammunition 10 or 20 years ago, and it made no change in the lead exposure found in California condors. There was no change based on the scientific research. So essentially, those condors are getting lead from other places, like lead sinkers, natural lead, construction products. And oh, it, so, again, there's no science to back up. You just up. made
0: a bad mistake there. You mentioned lead sinkers, so now they're going to attack the fishermen too.
1: In fact, they are, as part of the lead ban. And, yeah. and uh, it's not just for ammunition. It's also for lead sinkers for fisher, fishermen and women. So and essentially... There's no science to back up what they're doing. My opinion and the opinion of many people is this is, as you kind of said it in your opening, this is a way to discourage people from hunting because it's going to be much more costly to Mm -hmm. search for alternative sources to lead. It's three times as expensive to buy non-lead ammo than lead ammo. What
0: are we going to do about the poor lead miners that are put out of work?
1: <laughs> have they well, thought of them? I think we've already shipped all that over to China, and we get all our all our lead from China. You know, we have a we have a problem with military grade lead for our bullets there. But yeah, um, there, there are some things being done about this. Senator Senator Daines from Montana has introduced a piece of legislation in Congress that would stop the Biden administration from doing this. Because essentially what they're doing is they're doing something through regulatory procedures, through the regulatory process, through unelected bureaucrats uh, that they can't do through Congress. Right. They, they
0: they get frustrated because they can't get their bills passed, so they just circumvent that, go through the bureaucracy, make the rules anyway, and yep. that's
1: chief way of making rules now. we. Right. So many issues, you know, we could be talking about a social issue or something else, an economic issue. They do the same thing. So Senator Daines and some others are fighting back and and are going to try to pass legislation to stop this. Um, I'll be honest with you. It won't be resolved during Biden's presidency because he will veto any legislation that's passed. So what we have to hope for is um, great, good results in the 2024 elections, and a president that will stop this regulatory nonsense, and/or a veto-proof majority that could could actually pass legislation. But it's, it's going to go on for years. This is just yeah. the beginning of this attempt to to, they, to slow they down. they never
0: give up. They never give up. They they just they've got the same theme. Uh, they're gonna do whatever they can against the weapons of war. that are not not be on the street, and uh, the the noise just gets noisier and noisier, and the facts don't count. And after a while, you get tired of hearing
1: it, and you just okay, whatever. And and you're right. And they're so they're very intelligent about it. They start small. They always incrementalize things. You know, if the average hunter or a recreational shooter in in the west in the south. This is not on their radar screen because mm-hmm. the initial proposal is for small areas in, in the northeast and in Indiana and some other places. It's not in my backyard. Yeah. I, I can still go out and do what I've always done on BLM land in Wyoming or Idaho or Montana. But as you know, as you and I have discussed off, offline, it's the camel's nose under the tent. They're gonna start small. And one of these days, they're going to try to stop this yeah. on hundreds of millions of acres of, of BLM and Forest Service lands and effectively put half the country out of a place to shoot yeah. or hunt. And it accelerates, you know, as as they begin to get these little victories in
0: little places. It, by the time is a little bit about the, the frog in the hot water, you know, by the time it really does affect you personally, they've got so much momentum that we can't slow them down. So mm-hmm. we need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. We need to be pushing back at every step, even if it sounds like it's just a little thing. Uh, the little things matter.
1: Absolutely. And and I would say to folks that are listening, you know, most of your listeners are in Wyoming, I assume. You may have some in Montana. We've got some in Australia. There's some in Australia. Well, they yeah. don't help us much with no. that. <laughs> <No. laughs> <they're... laughs> but, but I would say to the listeners contact your, your Congress, members of Congress, and your senators and tell them to support Senator Dane's effort. Right. to stop this nonsense. And I think that I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Lummis and Barrasso and Hageman are all on board. They're they're fully opposing this. Um, but it wouldn't hurt ca- hurt to give them a call, send them a letter, and, and, and give them a pat on the back and say, keep yeah. fighting this overreach. Let them know you're paying attention. You're paying attention and thank them for what they're yeah. doing to fight back. From a leg- legislator's
0: perspective, that's something that I notice is I see the letters – the emails the the whatever phone calls coming across my desk it tells me what the people are concerned with mm-hmm. and it's as a legislator too they there only you only got so much so much energy mm-hmm. there's only so many things you can focus right. on you know you and I took a couple of bills together and and fought those and at the same time there were several other bills that I wish now that I had had a hand in but you you can only do so much so you you wanna get that that up there. The small things matter. Absolutely. Some of the big things matter too. Now you mentioned that you're a wildlife biologist. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, just off of curiosity, how long does a grizzly bear live? We're all waiting for three ninety nine to come out of hiding and see if she's <laughs> see if she's gonna have cubs with her again. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about grizzlies.
1: Yeah, well, you know, grizzlies can live well into their twenties or thirties if they're not, uh, you know, harvested or killed in some type of um, man man-made event. Um, and, and as you know, grizzlies are thriving in Wyoming. They met federal recovery goals twenty you know, years ago. Twenty years ago, yeah. exactly, two thousand three. That's another interesting issue. You know, speaking of federal overreach, and that's another one we've got involved in. Over the last year or so, um, a Senate, uh, Representative Hageman has introduced a piece of legislation that would force delisting the grizzly bear. And the reason she did that, um, and the reason that's important, is because effectively activists are weaponizing the Endangered Species Act mm-hmm. to stop grizzly bears from being hunted. Grizzly bears met federal recovery goals 20 years ago. They should be off the endangered species list. They should be under state management. I mean, that's the way our law and, works in the United States.
0: I, th- I think we have something right now, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but about three times the number of grizzlies that they said would be their target. Well, now we've got an, an overpopulation problem. You've got them wandering out, attacking livestock. There was one just the other day shot out by the highway just out of Cody, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um the more and more issues, and the people that are so passionate about grizzly bears, I think, have honestly never tried to make a living mm-hmm. around them. Absolutely. Um, even as a cabinet maker, I've had issues doing doing a kitchen in the town of Wapiti, which is just east of Yellowstone. And they family that I was working with had an apple orchard, and you had to pay close attention every time you walked out to the truck because the grizzlies like to come down into their yard. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, a difficult thing to work with. Now, if if we can push back, if we can begin to shoot in certain areas or in mm-hmm. certain seasons, then they regain that respect for man and we can live a little more peacefully. But if nobody ever harasses them, they just move wherever they want to go and they are a big, dangerous animal.
1: Absolutely. and. You know, to some of your points, um, the grizzly bear population estimate now is pushing 1,100 animals. Hmm. The originally recovery goal that the federal government set was like 400 or something. And as they tend to do, they move the goalposts, they change the yep. rules. Uh, grizzly bear, the, the demographic monitoring area is the area that the federal government said was suitable grizzly bear habitat. We have grizzly bears 65 miles outside the demographic monitoring area now in Wyoming. And that would be unsuitable habitat. Well, according to the federal government's own data, the DMA is suitable habitat. We have them 65 miles outside that area. In 2021, which is the last year for which good data is available, uh, government officials killed 29 grizzly bears in Wyoming alone. This doesn't count Montana and Idaho. They killed 29 bears in Wyoming alone to protect livestock and human safety. Paid, taxpayer-funded government employees killed 29 bears in Wyoming in 2021. If the grizzly bear was monitored the way American law it says it should be mm-hmm. by the state, if grizzly bears was managed by the state, the state of Wyoming and the state of Montana and the state of Idaho would shift that mortality from— paid government killers to uh, very happy recreational hunters Trof- who would pay thousands upon hunters. thousands of dollars yeah. for the opportunity to hunt a grizzly bear one time in their life. Yeah. So that's, that's the, really the nonsense that we're dealing with in this country. We're spending millions of dollars to keep this bear on the endangered species list. We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to have government killers kill the ones that are out of control. And we could be managing these things at the state level, like we do bighorn sheep and mountain lions and moose. And Don't and say mule deer. I'm not going to say mule deer. But we could be managing these things like, you know, high-profile, big game with a once-in-a-lifetime hunting opportunity and actually be bringing in revenue. And we would still have the same – we would yeah. have – Thriving grizzly bear populations. Yeah,
0: it's they're going to make the same determination as to how many need to be euthanized. Sure, taken out of that. Right. But rather than just being wasted, we're going to have somebody pay us big bucks to come do that for us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 really it's such a convoluted mess. that Bears will die one way or the other, mm-hmm. but we can be managing these with with by the, the states managing the hunting opportunity. And, and that's what uh, Congresswoman Hageman's bill would do, is force that back to the states. It's called the Grizzly Bear State Management Act. I think that uh, Senator Lummis has now got on board with a similar piece of legislation. Um, so this is another case where you can contact your representatives and your senators and say, we support this effort, even if you don't care about grizzly bears. It's, it's the principle of the matter that we're spending taxpayers' money yeah. to keep an, to, to weaponize the Endangered Species Act.
0: So tell us a little bit about wolves. Whenever you mention grizzlies, we got to talk about wolves. Um, yeah, wolves. Where's, where's Wyoming at with that right now? Well,
1: you know, Wyoming has done a good job of managing its wolf populations. It went through very similar controversies years ago that we're going through now with grizzly bears. And, and the state obviously has a management plan in place. There's a trophy management zone. There's places in the state where you have to have a license, places in the management where they've decided wolves shouldn't be. You can shoot wolves year-round. The biggest threat that I see right now for the state of Wyoming is this Colorado reintroduction because the state of Colorado has decided to reintroduce wolves. They're going to bring an endangered species into an area where they don't currently exist. And the far-left groups have already sued to stop wolf hunting and coyote hunting in, on the Medicine Bow National Forest in Wyoming because a wolf might come from Colorado to Wyoming yeah. where we have lots of wolves yeah. and get shot. Yeah. So more of the, ludic- the kind of the ludicrous nature of the way we manage wildlife at the federal level, um, and, and it, it really cheapens the Endangered Species yeah. Act. I know that you know, the Endangered Species Act was, was brought into place in the early 70s when there was a good a purpose at the time, but we've cheapened the intent of it when we use it you know, in these crazy ways, when we weaponize it to to stop hunting recreation, you know, scientifically based, carefully managed hunting is stopped many times through this weaponization of the Endangered Species Act. It's it's really sad, and it's based it's based on a, a bit of a lie.
0: Anyway, when they brought these wolves back into Wyoming years ago. Uh, They weren't indigenous to the area. Right. They brought Canadian wolves. Right. Yeah. And so now in Colorado, Wyoming, Governor Gordon just came out the other day and said that uh, we weren't going to give any, provide any wolves for Colorado. And he mentioned a couple of things which were mostly just malarkey. But one thing he did say that is a concern is these wolves then, if they transplant them from Wyoming into Colorado, they're still fairly close to their home territory and there's reason to believe that they're going to kind of travel back there well that means they've got to travel through areas where we don't want them right and and they're just going to cause an issue so wyoming right now is saying no so they're looking to washington and oregon Mm -hmm. i don't know you're the biologist i'm not the biologist but those wolves up there isn't that another an
1: entire another Species. I think they were brought from Canada, and, yeah. and I'm not sure what part of Canada. So probably larger than the native wolf that was found in the central Rockies. Yeah. Um, there's certainly impacts to worry about with big game populations. If, if you're a, a, a deer hunter, an elk hunter, those wolves are going to have an impact on that. So it, it, and it's really kind of crazy. As a biologist, you know, I, when you watch what the federal government does, they did the same thing with gray, gray wolves in the Great Lakes states. They did the same thing with the Red Wolf in North Carolina. They, they brought it they brought it in and said We're, we'll have a population goal and we'll keep it on federal land and we'll help you when it gets off federal land and eat your goat or your dog or your whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the populations thrive and they do better on private land sometimes than federal land and then the federal government changes the rules and the people that live there get mad and have to deal with the consequences of what's going on. It's, it's, it's a really convoluted way the federal government has of managing these species. And the states do a much better job. They're much more responsive to the people and the citizens, uh, people that have to live with these animals. And so the the people in the state in the state. Are closer
0: to those right. agencies. You know, we we know our game wardens around here. They mm-hmm. they know us. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little better response. We had a what everybody thinks is one of the toughest winters ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember a number of weathers. We might not have had quite the same number of inches of snowfall, but I can remember a lot of rough winters in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And we had a pretty good kill off mm-hmm. of primarily of deer and of pronghorns. Elk, mm-hmm. elk seemed to have survived pretty well. But I read just the other day that they're talking about increasing the quotas for taking predators, including mountain lions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, we don't. You know, we don't have very many mountain lion in Wyoming. But uh, the last few years, we've seen a lot of encroachment in places where you didn't normally find them. Uh, can you tell us anything about about lions? Is there a plan uh, to limit them or anything that you know about?
1: Yeah, I did read where Wyoming Game and Fish was going to raise some the predator quotas in some of the hardest hit. Areas to mm-hmm. try to protect fawning mule deer and and pronghorn and things like that, and I don't see any problem with that or anything wrong with it. I think that as generally that kind of thing doesn't work as well as you think it's going to. Um, it's not always easy to target the uh, predator that's killing that that's targeting right. in on killing right. fawning female ungulates or their offspring. So it tends not to work that great, but it's, it's there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, mountain lion populations are thriving. Um, so if we kill a few more lions and it saves a few more deer, okay. But I, I don't think it's going to be a panacea and actually help our deer populations bounce back overnight. Uh, um, it's going to take several years of good fawning weather and milder winters before we probably see populations come back and permits come back to what people are used to.
0: We had a really interesting discussion, at least it was interesting to me, on the House floor on a bill that would permit, I guess you would call it chasing. Chasing lions. Lions. Mm -hmm. In order to train the dogs Mm -hmm. and that this could be done, it broadened, I don't remember the specific details, but could be done um, over a much greater period of the calendar Mm -hmm. to do that. And, you know, my first reaction was this is going to be a good thing because it puts more fear of men into the lions Mm -hmm. and it keeps them prone to stay in their own territory and Mm -hmm. not in our backyards and our cities. But it was brought up by some folks over in the northeast corner of the state who live around a lot of lions and do a lot of lion hunting that these cats are wickedly smart. Mm Mm-hmm. And the more they're chased, the more tricks they learn. Mm -hmm. And it was actually suggested that they were going to get too smart and they would make themselves more difficult to be Mm -hmm. be killed.
1: Do you have any background with Mm -hmm. that? Yeah, actually, more with bears than lions in states that hunt hunt bears. I I managed bears in some other states and and worked for a university, you know. But, yeah, there is some validity to that when you you have chase seasons for these predators— And a chase season is when you don't kill it. Right. Sometimes you train it to learn to get away from the dogs. And then when it comes time for the actual season when you harvest, sometimes they're harder to take. There is some validity to to that. And I I did speak with some of those folks in the Northeast about it and found it very interesting that they weren't sure that it was a good idea over there to teach those cats any more tricks. Right. Um, So... I guess we'll see what the results of all that are and how things shake out. But, um, you know, a lion population seem to be doing pretty good in Wyoming. Everybody you talk to, you don't see a lot of lions, but you see a lot of lion tracks and evidence mm-hmm. and kills and things like that. And they seem to be doing pretty good in most of the state.
0: So I want to bring up another topic briefly. Um, growing up in Wyoming— Spent a lot of time over in the area around Shell where my dad lived and spent quite a bit of time at his place. Mm -hmm. And behind his house at Shell, you could leave the house and walk up the W, walk up Sunlight Mesa, that area. And all day long, you'd never be out of sight of mule deer. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you looked, there were mule deer. The trails were beat to powder like baking powder, you know, just Mm -hmm. with so much traffic from Mm -hmm. the animals. Mm -hmm. Over the last maybe 10 years they're gone mm-hmm. we have CWD mm-hmm. chronic wasting disease we have hunters who the only thing they want to shoot are the big muleys. Mm-hmm. what does that do to the population is there an answer to satiate the hunters
1: mm-hmm.
0: tough question
1: yeah Well, you know, it's interesting you brought that up. The mule deer are declining in most states. There are are some areas of some states that are an exception, but mule deer are declining throughout a lot of the West. And I would say about 10 or 15 years ago, uh, state agencies and universities began to realize that and start major research projects into the reasons behind that decline. And... There's a lot of theories. None of them have they haven't found the magic bullet yet that explains it. Uh, predator populations may have increased in some of these areas from back in you know many years ago. We pers- we persecuted predators a lot more than we do now. Right. I mean, you you probably remember growing up. Yes, I do. There was a lion track nearby. Somebody got after it, and it might end up dead. There are more predators. There's probably more lions, more coyotes. There's wolves. There's things that we didn't have years ago. Um, but another factor that's being found in the research is declining habitat. You know, we've lost a lot of mountain mahogany and a lot of the the browse that mule right. deer prefer. There's also a question about whitetail and their impact. We know they sometimes hybridize with muleys. tend to be more aggressive. That could be having an impact in certain situations. I
0: just want to touch on that for a second. Sure. When I when I grew up, you hardly saw any white tails anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now around, especially the Sheridan area, there are far too many white tails mm-hmm. than there should be. Mm-hmm. And you would think because they're a smaller animal that they're probably going to be the one to get pushed around. Not mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. They're very aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think they're having a factor in driving the mule deer off of some areas. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily take to the same habitat. Muleys, as you said, they need they need the sagebrush, they need the cedars, and and those types of plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's a factor. Mm-hmm. And I look at you know it's it's no secret to anybody listening to this that my granddad used to be the head of the Wyoming Game and Fish, mm-hmm. and I would love to be able to pick his brain mm-hmm. about what has gone wrong, because from my perspective of watching some some of what has gone on in Wyoming with game populations over the last 40 years, everything's – I shouldn't say everything. I should never say it like that. Things are screwed up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. populations of the animals that we want are threatened. They're dwindling. And that Aryan shell that I mentioned, they still have a general license to any deer. Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Why? Yeah, that'd be a good I'm question. I'm asking the wrong person. Yeah, well, you know, and that's Game and Fish. They make those decisions, and I know they're under a lot of pressure for a resident to be able to get a general license. But uh, the
0: money's in the out-of-state hunters. And the money's in the out-of-state yeah.
1: hunters, and boy, it gets complicated. And I know a lot of states are cutting non-resident permits. Yeah. Uh, that's been one of the first common responses, and and that kind of makes sense. You, you, you try to protect your residents first. Then but that hurts revenue and it takes revenue to do research and figure out problems. But it's it's a hard issue to handle. But it's it's fascinating to me that it's not only Wyoming. It's it's you know, yeah. it's Western North Dakota, it's western South Dakota, it's almost everywhere. Mule deer are declining. There are some exceptions. And maybe we ought to be looking at those areas and see mm-hmm. what's different about those. Maybe there are places that don't have whitetails, maybe there are places, I don't know, you know, because we mule deer found in 15 or 16 states, but there's definitely an issue, and they tend to be, as you, and you know, you've been around them longer than I have, a uh, little more secretive than whitetails. I mean, they, they're in the open, so you can see them, but yeah. they don't like people. Whitetails live in Sheridan, live in Buffalo, live in your backyard. Muleys are a little different animal, and uh, not as aggressive, and so it's, it's certainly a conundrum. Well.
0: We need to get somebody from the Game and Fish in here so I can chew on them a little chew bit. Chew on them about
1: but, mule deer management. But you, and, uh,
0: your job yep. is is representing and defending the, the sport of hunting.
1: Right, across the and, country.
0: And, you know, until probably the last 25 years, nobody would ever think of going out with an AR-15 for hunting. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I, I have one that's a... Right, well, right before the boating accident, I had one. Before you lost them all? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a 308. And it's nice to shoot a high power, mm-hmm. large caliber rifle and not feel the recoil. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit heavy to carry around and, and hunt like that. Um, what, what kind of, uh, of an intersection are you dealing with with hunters and wanting to use modern sport rifles? versus the pressure to get rid of these weapons of war? Yeah, good what question. What are you seeing?
1: Well, one of the things that we've seen is that the AR platform is the most popular rifle in America now and and has been now for a number of years. And a lot of that popularity is being driven by, by sporting uses. And it kind of surprises people. But, you know, deer hunters, uh, prairie dog shooters, groundhog shooters back east, just having... All, you know, as you well know, you can take them apart and put all different bells and whistles on them, yeah. and kind of make whatever you want out of them. It's it, it's like Legos for adults, and so it's it is the most popular selling rifle in America, uh, and has been for a while. Um, and when you see it, it labeled as a weapon of war or labeled as an assault rifle, it's kind mm-hmm. of frustrating, you know, because uh, there are. Other more effective ways to do, to to uh, shoot people, <laughs> as you yeah. well know, yeah. uh, it's not any more more or less dangerous than other weapons, and it's just been demonized by the left. That rifle has, yeah. uh, but it's become America's rifle in many ways. And that
0: the most common caliber, the two two three five five six, you know, the military thing, isn't even legal for a lot of big game. Most places, nor is it practical. It's it's not a valid ground for that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of using the same platform, designing a lot of rifles. And as alluded to earlier, it's it's nice to shoot one that doesn't pound your shoulder Mm -hmm. if you want to go out. And it's also nice if you've got smaller people, whether they be children or or maybe females who happen to be a little bit smaller, it's nice to be able to handle a weapon that you don't have to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not going to just be miserable to shoot. Yeah. But that's kind of the way it goes. About the time you, you get to enjoy something, then they've got to find a reason why it's a bad thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And and some of the legislation that's been proposed would ban, you know, lots of things beyond the AR platform. It would ban. Oh yeah. It would ban your Marlin semi-automatic twenty-two. You mm-hmm. know that we've had since we were kids. That's... And. So, in, and it's interesting, in the gun control that the Biden administration pushed last summer, we went through that with a fine-tooth comb. You know, we have a federal affairs team that are very good at reading 4,000 pages of nonsense. And the, you could tell the people that wrote it did not understand firearms. They, they, out, they were proposing to outlaw, again, commonly, commonly held firearms that you and I have had since we were children, like yeah. Marlin 22s. And then there were other things they missed. Because they just do not understand guns. They they think there's something magic about a
0: two-two-three round coming out of an AR platform mm-hmm. that makes it vastly more lethal mm-hmm. than, than anything else. And it's it's absurd when you understand ballistics and you understand how that works. Sure, you know your your granddad's old lever action thirty thirty was a lot more punishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, or your bolt action thirty out six. You know, with a 180 grain mm. bullet that you shoot elk with, it's a yep. much more lethal. And I wish you know, it's it's kind of a a bad a, a, you know coincidence, I guess, a bad coincidence that that the AR, the Armalite rifle, yeah, that's, it is it's, not an assault it, rifle, right? <laughs> it's very convenient for the left that yeah. it's AR. Yeah, that was never what it, it was never an assault rifle. It was the Armalite rifle, right? Exactly. But they have been able to coin that term "assault rifle," and I set mine over in the corner. Well, when I had my boating accident and lost mine, before I did that, yeah, I yeah. set mine in the corner one day, and I just left it there all day. It didn't hurt anybody. And it never it? assaulted anyone. It no. was it was amazing. It so, is.
0: It is amazing thing. So let's just talk about that just philosophically a little bit. Every time there's another mass shooting, and there does seem to have been a kind of a a rash of that lately. The first thing and seemingly the only thing that anybody wants to talk about is we've got to ban these guns. Okay, so if we take that argument and we just set that aside for a moment and say we're, we're not going to talk about the validity of that argument here and year, are there any other factors that could possibly be affecting society to increase these numbers of Use their term, mass shootings. Mm-hmm.
1: What what thoughts do you have on oh, that? Yeah. Well, there are a lot, as you know. Uh, there's obviously the mental health angle, and a lot of these, most of these shooters are on some type of drug. Mm-hmm. Once once you get past the media talking points and the initial reaction, when you finally get all the facts in and look at it, long after the media has stopped talking about it and they've moved on to something else, most of these people are already identified and they're on some type of, psych, of psychiatric drug. Um, many of these people are on the radar of law enforcement before this happens. Many of them have already broken multiple laws and not been um, handled by law enforcement for whatever reason. Never even been punished in accordance with the right, law. Right, right. In most of these cases, yep. almost all of them. And so it's so disingenuous and so wrong for the media and the left to immediately call – for more firearms restrictions without being willing to address all these other issues. You know, the first thing they want to do is ban AR-15s. Mm-hmm. Well, the people, you know, criminals by definition don't follow the law. Crazy right. people who are going to hurt people don't care anything about the law. So it, it really frustrates me that we can't have a, an intelligent conversation about all these other factors. And, and then when when you speak specifically of schools, this one's really near and dear to my heart because I've been talking about this for years. You know, we have 16 states that that have a provision in their state law that would allow for armed teachers and staff. Now, I have to be careful because that doesn't mean every teacher and staff member in that state is armed, but it lets the school district make that decision. 16 states. Wyoming's one of them. In, in a school district with armed teachers and staff, we've not had a mass shooting. And everybody needs to stop and think about that a minute. We've not had a mass shooting in a school district with armed teachers and staff. Now, it might happen. Mm-hmm. God forbid it does. But that is a deterrent. And the media and the left refuses to even speak about arming teachers and staff because— you know, I can't really, I'm not a psychiatrist, I can't, and I'm not a doctor, I can't control these issues with mental health and drugs and all these other factors. But one thing that we can do is we can put a person in that school that loves and cares about these children and is willing to protect them. And people say, well, you'll have accidents and you'll have carnage and all that. We have 16 states that already do it, 33% of the schools in Texas have armed teachers and staff. In the state of Utah, all teachers and staff can carry if they choose to. We're not seeing incidents, and have been for 20 years mm-hmm. in Utah. We're not seeing incidences, uh, uh, bad incidences. We're seeing responsible people there as a deterrent. So why can't we have that conversation as a society about how we, the Israelis do it. They protect their children, you know. But the left refuses to talk about that. All they want to do is disarm law-abiding people. Yeah. So
0: I think there's another factor that I want to just touch on. Uh, You and I are both men of faith. Mm -hmm. We were raised that way. So we understood from the point of a little child that we were designed, we were built with a purpose, we have meaning, we have value, and other people likewise. Mm -hmm. And we were taught the idea that you— love others, you know, the old golden rule, you'd do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All of these issues that used to be pounded into our heads about how to live in a polite civil society. And now we see a culture that bristles at any suggestion that there might be a God, that there might be a purpose. You merely evolved out of the primordial ooze You're going to go back into it. Nothing means anything. Uh, Global warming or whatever they call it this week is destroying the planet. You'll probably never even make it to age 50 because everything will be all screwed up. So what's the point? Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about the effect of the brainwashing going on in public schools, how that affects Mm -hmm. people's mindsets. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about, and I read an article just the other day about violent video games. And this article, Mm -hmm. I I don't know who paid for the research, but the research could show no correlation between any of these things and the violence. But all of these things together, when you have a culture that glorifies violence, that devalues human life— These are all factors, and they need to be discussed as well. They need to be explored. But no, we don't want to touch those. We don't ever want to talk about any of those things. And if we do talk about mental health, the only way we want to talk about mental health is through a secular humanist perspective Mm -hmm. where there is no God. You can't have, in my mind, in my opinion, which is always right, (laughs) you can't have good mental health, a good self-esteem without a good moral base and a respect for something greater than yourself. If there's nothing greater than yourself, you're like God. Mm -hmm. And that I think is the key in a lot of these mass shooters' heads is they seem to feel like they have the right, they have the authority, they have the power to go in and do whatever they want to do Mm -hmm. to anyone else, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter.
1: Oh, yeah. I think you're spot on Ken, and, and and as you said i'm we're both men of faith and you know our country was founded on judeo-christian values and when you and i were in school i'm sure you were like me you know i had a firearm in my vehicle in the parking lot only one sometimes more. <laughs> i remember oh, taking yeah. them in and showing them to the coach i did. i had them in my locker yeah and and the most of the young boys there had a gun in their vehicle and carried it in the school occasionally to show someone and we never thought about no. using it to hurt anybody because we were raised with that the christian value set that you did respect human life and
0: yeah there's there's another side of that probably you had a similar experience about the time i got to be six or seven my dad gave me a little 22 rifle and took me out and had me shoot a cottontail mm-hmm and when you shoot a cute little thing like a rabbit, mm-hmm. and you watch it die, mm-hmm. it does something to you. Oh yeah, yeah. And the the same thing when you when you take any big game, well, except turkey, I wouldn't mind that
1: at all. <laughs> <laughs> now come on now, I love turkeys. <laughs> but you you gain
0: a certain respect for the lethality, for Absolutely. the power of that thing that you hold. Mm-hmm. And to me, in Instead of telling kids constantly, guns are bad, guns are bad, we need to have a high school PE course like we did in the old days. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go out and we're going to learn to shoot. You're mm-hmm. going to learn to handle a firearm. You're going to learn to handle it with respect. You're going to shoot some things and watch it get destroyed to mm-hmm. have some respect for what mm-hmm. you're messing with. Mm-hmm. When you watch all this stuff on TV and it's just bang, bang and stuff yeah. blowing up, it, it, it becomes uh, surreal and you're desensitized. And, you know, people say, oh, you're just, you're just a gun lover or whatever. You know, I've been to combat. Yeah. I've seen what happens when a human being is struck with a firearm. hmm
1: That changes you. Oh, I bet it does.
0: Yeah. And I have more respect for that than anything, which is why I really, really despise the idea of what's going on in these shootings and that their only answer is a knee-jerk reaction that is not even a Band-Aid, no. it's it's ignoring the real issues.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it's not even an, an intelligent response. If, no. you know, if you stop and think about all the factors we've just discussed, um, more restrictions on purchasing and slower wait, more waiting periods and all this other stuff, it's not even an intelligent response to the problem. You're not getting to the root of the problem. You're going to make it harder for Mark Jones or Ken Pendergraft to go buy a weapon. You're not going to stop a crazy person from going in and hurting kids. Yeah, even if they couldn't get a weapon, they'll find a way. Well, it, We see we all a, over the world. There was a case in another country where, I think it was China or somewhere, where a guy killed 56 people with a machete before yeah. someone stopped him. Yeah. So when you devalue human life, when you have no faith and you don't care, you're going to find a way to hurt people and you're absolutely right we have to you know my dad he's still living and good you know my best friend he he told me many years ago one of the biggest problems this country ever had was when they took god out of schools and you stop and think about that. You know, it's kind of related to your point. We devalued human life. We told people there was no God. We we raise kids not to believe in anything greater than themselves. We give them these video games where you blow people up. You know, I don't let my kids play that crap, but and and they they it desensitizes you yeah. to death. Yeah, it's ridiculous. yeah,
0: and they've never really lived. I my daughter, whom some of you remember from the early. Episodes of the Ramble Room. They moved over on the other side of the mountain, and they've kind of taken up. She calls it a farm, um, but th- they've got a bunch of chickens. They've got. I think they're going to add some some pigs and some other things. But part of living in that condition with a number of animals is death, and if you have enough animals, death's going to be pretty frequent. Mm-hmm. And the kids grow up with that. Mm-hmm. They understand. You know, I I had. Livestock, we've had uh, all different sorts of experiences where you're actually being around death. Mm-hmm. We've we've sterilized our culture. Oh yeah. Now, when Grandma is on her last leg, we put her in a home somewhere. We might go visit her or something. She doesn't die in the living room with everybody surrounding and, and mm-hmm. helping out. Yeah. We have made. So we don't even understand the basic fundamentals of life and death. no
1: well, and most people think that meat comes from a grocery store. yeah they have no concept. you know I, I run into it as into my role as a as a director of hunting programs. you run into people that are opposed to hunting. Yeah. They're perfectly okay with going to McDonald's and getting a hamburger.
0: Yeah, cows are not as pretty. <laughs> I mean— Cows are not as pretty.
1: Uh, you know, so it, it's this idea, this, this sanitized version of life, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I think there's something more honorable in some respects about taking a deer and harvesting it and butchering it and bringing it home uh, than, than taking a cow from a feedlot. And... My dad is a young man. I think he
0: was about eight or nine when this happened. He was out walking and he he saw a mule deer hung up in a barbed bar wire fence mm-hmm. with a coyote chewing its belly out. Oh, wow. And the deer is still alive. Mm-hmm. And he said he watched that. And when you, when you think about the natural way that an animal would die, they get sick, they get attacked by predators who are going to drag them down and tear them apart and start eating them before they're dead. Mm-hmm. Dad said he went home and he laid in his bed and he cried and he says, oh God, please never make me be a deer. (laughs) On the other hand, and yeah, there are some bad hunters out there and there are things that happen where it's not going to be that clean, but most good hunters, one clean shot Mm -hmm. deer doesn't even know what happened. He also then serves to put meat on the table and, beautify the home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One last issue before we close, and you may or may not have, I just read something uh, on the the cow pie yesterday, I guess it was, telling people we can't take antlers off of winter kill. Uh Those belong to the state of Wyoming. How ludicrous is that? You're going to be forced to just let something lay out there and rot. You can't pick it up for your own personal enjoyment. Yeah.
1: Is that the position of the Wyoming Game and Fish?
0: That's the position illustrated in that article. Yeah. Wyoming or Cowboy State Daily ran the article. And, you know, we had the same thing. A a bill came before the House. We are talking about whether or not you could go out and— Pick up antlers, right? You know, when I was a kid, that was one of our favorite pastimes. Still a lot of fun. Yeah, we had stacks of them in the yard from Mm -hmm. various things, and no, those belong to the state. You're not supposed to be able to do those. We have lost entirely our sense of direction and our sense of bearing.
1: Well, and it's 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 kind of back to what we spoke about in the beginning. It's overregulation. Yep. it's it's just nonsensical it's like what can we
0: mess with next Yeah, we have to justify our existence so we can still be here and have a job and we've right. already
1: done that so what do we do next yeah I'm kind of sad to hear that from Wyoming Game and Fish which is an organization I generally think does a pretty good job but maybe if we have time I can tell you about one more Biden effort that completely flew under the radar during the height of the COVID crisis, the Biden administration proposed to restrict the interstate movement of legally harvested wildlife under the guise of COVID needs. Now, I want people to stop and think about this a minute. If you hunt outside the state of Wyoming, let's say you're like me, I have friends at ranch in North Dakota, and I have been going to their ranch for 20 years to hunt pheasants. I cannot bring my pheasants back to the state of Wyoming. If you live in Wyoming and go hunt with your brother in Idaho, you can't bring your deer back from the state of Idaho. That was the proposal that the Biden administration pushed during the height of the COVID crisis. And we fought that in Washington. And I wish that would have gotten, had COVID COVID sucked all the oxygen out of the the room, so to speak, in terms of media, the, the effects on people and whatever. That should have been huge news, though, to hunters and people that care about sensible regulation. They tried to stop that. About half of the hunters in America travel outside their state to hunt. Many of them just go across the state line to hunt with a friend or a neighbor or a relative. Some go from Virginia to Wyoming to hunt elk. They would have stopped that. And we fought that in Washington, and that kind of died out, but... I just want folks to understand the level of overregulation that we're facing, and to be be aware, be vigilant. Kind of to your point about this ridiculous thing about not taking antlers off of dead animals. Yeah. You know, we have let our government get so out of control, and and we need to we need to hold our elected officials accountable, and we need to start reeling it back in little yeah. by little. Well,
0: folks, Gun Owners of America does a great job. Mark, tell us a little bit about how to to find. GOA, what they do. Yes, um, I am a member of the organization. I get their emails. I get their information, and I find it uh, very useful from my perspective.
1: Yeah, Ken. So yes, we're uh, we've been around since 1976. We have about pushing 300 million, 300. I wish 3 million members in the United States now. Uh, we are often described as the point of the spear in Washington. You know, uh, the, the other organization three letter, they get a lot of the publicity, but we are usually the first to go to court. We've sued Biden a number of times since he's been in office for various, you know, unconstitutional infractions. Uh, we're very active in the legislative process and, and helping folks like uh, Representative Hageman with her grizzly bill, yeah. Senator Danes with his bill to stop this lead ban, and if folks would like to give us a look, they can go to our website at gunowners.org and read all about us. Um, and if you, know, if you know Ken personally, he can give you my contact. I'm happy to talk to you, and, and uh, or you can send me an email. I'll get yeah. Mark at gunowners.org. I'm happy to converse with anybody. But we really are fighting hard in the country and in Wyoming. We're really involved in the legislative, as you well know.
0: As a state legislator, I can say that you were no stranger to uh,
1: Ambush Alley. I think I'm probably, I can probably say that the last two legislative cycles, I've been there more than anybody from any other group. And, and, yeah, we have really tried to help with conservative pro-Second Amendment issues in Cheyenne, and we've tried to stop the 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 few attempts there have been to go backwards yep. there and uh we'll be lord will and actively involved in the 2024 cycle maybe we can have a conversation about that later love uh, to yeah i cause... like to
0: hear people when they when they tout my name
1: oh yeah well <laughs> uh, and and you're you are a staunch second amendment guy we know that and we uh, we got some bills we did not get through this past time. wasn't your fault, you know. There's some folks like you and Mark Jennings and John Baer and that are strong supporters, but we've got some folks down there that are not strong supporters, and we've got to come back and do some things in the next cycle uh, here in Wyoming. Many yeah. people don't realize, you know, Wyoming's not a. We're not a top five state. We're not. Yeah. We may not be a top ten state for Second Amendment protections. So there's some things we need to do here. You, you would have thought it would be a slam dunk to get an anti-red-flag
0: law bill passed in Wyoming.
1: You would think. Yeah. No. You know, when, and you look around at states like Tennessee— or, or some other states that can do this, and we can't do it in Wyoming, Yeah, it's, it, it really does boggle the mind. You would yeah. think Wyoming, people in the east, and I, because of my national role, I deal with folks back in Washington a lot. They think Wyoming's the wild, wild west, and we're the best gun place in the world. But when you actually look at the, the laws, right, there are other states in the east, and northeast, New Hampshire, yeah. uh, other states in the west that are better than Wyoming, much better. So, we got some work to do here. We do, but I guess that gives us a purpose to get up in the morning. It does. It gives us something to shoot for, no pun intended.
0: <laughs> we better stop now. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get on up. That's my only joke. Yeah. Hey, Mark, it's been good. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Ken.